0: You are now listening to The Soul & Wonder Podcast, Episode 27, Fast Fashion, Organic Farming, and Conscious Living with L'Ray Pepper.
1: Welcome to The Soul & Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing, all to empower you
2: on your journey of self-discovery.
1: And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah.
0: Welcome to the Soul & Wonder podcast, ladies and gentlemen.
2: We are your hosts, Sarah and Christopher. Glad to have you back as usual. And before we dive into this topic of organic cotton farming in the fast fashion industry with our lovely guest, LaRae Pepper, we would like to update you a little bit on the happenings of Soul & Wonder, Inc. So one of our new wellness services that we provide is a health discovery session. I love this idea. Health Discovery Session. This is where we can connect for one session, usually about an hour. We talk about your current state of health, where you're at, where you'd like to be, the obstacles that you face. And we also tailor a 30-day plan to you for a specific healing start. Look at it as a kickstart to your healing journey because sometimes we don't know where to start. So that's our job, is to help you find out where to start. And that 30-day plan can include nutritional support, it can include herbal medicine, it can include holistic wellness techniques like mindful breathing, etc. It's all specific to what you're dealing with now. And even better, you can decide when to... Come together with Soul & Wonder for these sessions anytime you'd like. You don't have to commit to anything. You don't have to worry about when's the next session. You just enroll in one anytime you feel you need a little bit of boost on your wellness journey. Even better, if you're considering doing the Eat to Thrive wellness program, or even if you're not, the money that you spend on your health discovery session will be taken off the total cost of the Eat to Thrive wellness program if you decide to join in the future. So we keep track of you on our little whiteboard and so we know is this money going to be taken off your total cost of the Eat to Thrive? We'll see. So. Join us with our health discovery sessions. It's a great way to get started if you just want to dip your toes in the water but aren't sure if the Eat to Thrive three-month commitment is for you. We get to just test the waters together. You get a little taste of how we work, and there's no commitment. You don't have to sign up for the program.
0: Yes, and you can find this at soulandwonder.com you can scroll down to the what we do section you will see various services there you will also see integrative health support if you click on that tab On Learn More, it will take you to the integrative health support page where we do offer many services, but the first service you will see is our health discovery session.
2: And we have a calendar service, so all you have to do is book online for whichever time is convenient for you.
0: All made easy.
2: Very, very easy. We're looking forward to working with you. So today's episode is something that we believe is super crucial for the benefit of our environment. We need to wake up to the impact that our consumerism, particularly in clothing, has on the world around us. So let's give you a little dish on Laray Pepper. Laray Pepper is the managing director and a co-founder of the global nonprofit Textile Exchange, and she's an advocate for more sustainable practices in the apparel and textile industry. Now for textile exchange, for those who don't know, for 15 years it has been at the forefront of driving meaningful change towards preferred fibers. So a fifth generation farmer, and the co-founder of two successful organic cotton businesses, Larray's unique perspective helps her lead textile exchange along with his pioneering members to create preferred fiber and material strategies, strengthen integrity in the marketplace through the adoption of standards and promoting deeper engagement within the supply network. And she goes into more detail about how important this really is, as well as how your choices as a consumer impact everything around you. So prior to textile exchange, Miss Pepper and her late husband Terry were founding members of the Texas Organic Cotton Marketing Cooperative in 1993. Today, TOCMC is the largest organic cotton cooperative in the United States. Together, they built and demonstrated a sustainable business model for farmers creating strategic partnerships with various manufacturers and value-added programs, including Cotton Plus, which is organic fabric, and Organic Essentials, which is organic personal care products. A little bit of background on her education. Miss Pepper holds a Bachelor of Science in Education from Abilene Christian University and a master's of science in organizational leadership from lubach christian university not sure if i said lubach right it might lubbock lubbock (laughs) thanks for correcting me so that's the dish on loray She is a lovely, warm-hearted, spirited woman who has a lot of information to share on the organic cotton farm industry. You know, we talk a lot about non-GMO for our food that we eat. We need to be discussing that about what we wear, and you'd be surprised at how toxic a lot of our genetically modified organic products are for our skin and our bodies. So stay tuned to the end of this interview to get your health tip of the episode. What's the health tip, Chris?
0: We're actually going to be giving you some companies that you could take a look at that are sustainable fair trade companies that you can start looking into for your own fashion needs.
2: Absolutely. So that means you can start making a change today.
0: It is so important because we all vote with our dollars. Mm -hmm. So supporting these companies will be supporting a better world.
2: So to find out how your choices impact the world around you, stick around for the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, we are super happy to have Lorraine Pepper on the show with us. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you. We are pumped to dive into this topic. You know, Chris and I, we first heard of you because of your appearance on the documentary True Cost about the negative ramifications of fast fashion and all the problems that come along with it. And let me tell you, that that documentary alone, like I knew it was bad but I didn't know how bad and it wasn't until we were consciously ready to open our hearts and our minds to receiving this information because we've been on our own um, transformational journey for about three, two, three years now, two years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, you open yourself up to what you're ready to receive. And for us, it was our veganism and plant based journey and health and nutrition. So we were transforming at a very high rate with Quality household products that aren't chemically toxic and things of that sort and as you know switching your lifestyle can be quite Overwhelming at first, so we've taken it slowly, but then we decided okay, we're ready We're gonna we're gonna dive in this true cost documentary looks like a good way to start and it just it Impacted me on a profound level. I couldn't even really sleep that night because I was just like oh my god all of these things running in my head so I'd like to ask you first, how was it being on the true cost? Did you like that? It was
1: incredibly humbling um, simply because there is so much going on. And I am an individual that's completely aware and firsthand and up close and personal of some of the impacts that, you know, our current fashion and textile industry has on people. And so much of the time we, we wear something or we sleep something or, you know, towels, or whatever it is, you know, all these fabrics that touch our, our lives. And a lot of people don't realize that skin is the largest organ on our body. Mm-hmm. And it is is a, it is absorbing everything transdermally, everything. And so we should not only care what you put in your body, but what you wear. And so I've been acutely aware of these issues. But I have to say, when I watched it, I cried myself because mm-hmm it is so fresh and you know, yes, I have smelled what it smells like in Bangladesh and Korea and Vietnam and China where the rivers are so polluted. It is beyond tragic. And, and and even though you've seen that Andrew tells a story and he's a great storyteller. So he really brings it up close and personal of telling the story through people's lives that are impacted. And so certainly, um, When you think about how children are affected by mothers that are working in in water that is not clean and 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 the damages to health and, uh, you know, my own personal story with the loss of my husband. Do I have a shoot, you know, a, a smoking gun that he was killed by cotton chemicals? No, but I know in my heart that there's so much cancer. You look at Lubbock, Texas, and there's four cancer treatment centers. And you look at agricultural areas in general, and that's there's there are cancer centers. And so we know that there are impacts around using chemicals in agriculture. And so this started as a passion for me a long, long time ago, that a family farm needs to be a safe place to live and play. I don't want to have to worry about my children running in the field and playing that there's skull and cross bond warnings, you know, so it is about quality of life and it is about responsibility, but there's a real disconnect. Like you said, even though you may have been aware consumer about, you know, the, the choices that you have around food, um, people are not really looking at clothing in the same mm-hmm. way and okay. the impacts that that has on people's lives. What you wear literally is a life and death situation on your choices.
2: I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, And in case some of our listeners are unfamiliar with some of these negative aspects that come along with our fashion industry, do you mind um, diving into that a little bit? Sure. Well, I think I'd like to go
1: on the positive side about what our choices can be and how that links to, to things, because what we're trying to do when we promote recycled polyester or organic cotton is we're trying to promote, obviously, you know, none of us want to be in a nudist colony for, you know, for the most part. So <laughs> clothes are important for protection and warmth and comfort. And so it's not about giving up clothing. It is about reforming and transforming um, what we're wearing and how we're wearing it, because um, ultimately it is about protecting biodiversity. So it is about regenerative agriculture that addresses carbon sequestration. And, you know, it is that difference of life and death of organic regenerative production systems do promote the life and cotton is just one crop that's grown in that mix and cotton actually creates oil that goes into food and 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 fat, you know cattle feed and it's a, it's grown in rotation with soybeans and corn so it's a holistic system it's a part of of uh, the landscape of many many rural communities and so it is about protecting biodiversity it's not just about reducing pesticides it's about eliminating them I remember as a little girl, my granddaddy was telling me that this is kind of when the green revolution came into being in the early 60s is that the other farmers were starting to use more petroleum-based fertilizers. They were starting to use uh, insecticides and fungicides and um, herbicides. And those all create the bigger category of pesticides. Um, And he's like, you look at all the roots on that, you know, it's about side, He goes, we might as well be committing suicide. And that is actually what we're doing. When you think of the impacts since the early 1960s, you know, the past 50 years of what we've been doing to our rural communities in the implementation of all of these different chemicals and (laughs) cancer is rampant. And the current business as usual is creating poverty and it's creating pollution. And it's actually... um, creating disease and other problems. So we live in a fallen world. And to me, um, making the choice to use more responsible, more sustainable fibers and textiles, whether that's tin cell that's, you know, from a responsible rayon producing system or organic cotton or, you know, the recycled polyesters and things like that. We need a variety of types of materials um, that perform different things. And so that, that we need, but, What is beautiful to me is that there are alternatives and choices. And part of that goes back to our roots. So that difference, you know, the fast fashion and what's happening there is, you know, huge price pressures of some of the big box retailers of continuing to push down prices. Well, that all has a cost. Do you want to buy two cheap T-shirts at $4 that don't last another, you know, two months? Or do you want to buy a quality one made with ethical, you know, You know, labor in a fair factory, paying farmers a fair price to grow a crop without the use of these toxic and persistent chemicals, then that's a choice you have. The beautiful thing here is you do have a choice. You have a choice to support a holistic, beautiful, more responsible, all those things that you can think of that stop the pollution and stop the poverty and and stop the mistreatment. It it is literally abuse of land and people.
0: Absolutely. And the first step to this really is awareness. And that's why again we wanted to bring you on is to create awareness around this subject and then obviously all all of our other guests that we do bring on it's all about creating awareness around these things because that's so important you have to become aware before you then make the choices to do whatever it is that we're talking about in this sense we're talking about the fashion
1: actually that's something we say all the time at textile exchanges. like if they're not aware, they can't make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Awareness leads to action because once you know this, you know that your decisions to buy that, you know, cheap or um, less expensive. And I'll use the word cheap mm-hmm. set of sheets that are permanent press means you're using conventionally chemically, you know, intensive cotton and poor labor conditions, and because it's permanent press, it's got formaldehyde on it. I mean, who wants to sleep on that? Mm-mm. So it's like,
2: once you know,
1: it's like, I'm going to immediately go out and change my sheets. That's where you start. Change your sheets.
2: That's
0: really good advice. <laughs> and and the other thing too, is like, we've been talking about all these chemicals. You mentioned all the pesticides, the herbicides, and everything that comes along with that. But we also are up against the 700 new chemicals that are introduced into our our <laughs> air every single year so it's not it's only so these scary. but yeah. so many okay. others
2: <laughs> oh yeah it's just toxic overload and our systems were not designed or equipped to be able to handle all of it and you're seeing the skyrocketing of disease that is
1: so very true yeah. and so very tragic in in um communities around the world, regardless regardless of what kind of agricultural crop they're growing and, and the food sources. And you guys are well aware of how all of that makes it into the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe. And so to some degree, it is about eliminating the, eliminating the toxins that we can in our immediate environment. And then with this greater consciousness, start creating awareness in our neighbors and friends so that more people are adopting this consciousness and making those choices that um,
0: protect life that's very good very well said and and I do believe that there is a shift in consciousness happening at the moment and and it may be slow and it may take some time but it does seem that that more people are becoming aware of this and the more we can spread this knowledge the better
1: Very true. It's amazing. Um, We've got a couple of consumer um, targeted kind of websites about organiccotton.org is one of them. We've got a other couple of microsites that are geared toward responsible down and responsible um, wool in order to encourage, um, you know, animal rights and and protection of, of their rights and the fibers that we use. And so it's amazing how many more consumers are coming on to these microsites and developing their own level of awareness. And, and so um, it is. Once you know, there's no
0: going back. That's for sure. So can we dive a little bit deeper into and have you uh, give the listeners a rundown about how you've been impacted by the fashion industry throughout your life as a cotton farmer? I'd like to get into that a little bit more.
1: Sure. Well, um, in part, I'm an organic cotton farmer because I don't know any better. Um, I was raised on a cotton farm in West Texas and um, a family farm that my grandfather, uh, you know, had settled in many, many years ago. He actually grew up on a cotton farm whose daddy grew up on a cotton farm. So, <laughs> you know, you guys are out in North Carolina where a lot of people work in the spinning mill industry. So they say they, they were born with lint in their belly buttons and, <laughs> and 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 that I was born with dirt in my fingernails. And so I am proud to be a farmer and that is my heritage and my granddaddy was this old German old school farm you know farmer that the land we are not owners of the land we are simply stewards of the land to to take care of and if and um it is here for to provide food and and to nurture and, and to take care of but it is also our responsibility and so when you look at it from that direction putting a lot of things that we're putting on the land go, go beyond a moral consciousness for me. And so it is about, you know, protecting the sanctity of life. And that's life in the soil, you know, goes back to soil science scientists that will talk about the microbial activity And I remember my granddaddy, when we were trying to get ready to plant, he kind of squeezed the soil to make sure the right moisture content was there and it was warm enough. And he used to tease me, he said, you can eat our dirt, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and he was again, I shared the comment about we aren't going to be putting um, death on our land. We're going to protect the life that's here. And and so the beautiful thing is when you do you are growing things in that um, organic production system that does Um, practice those regenerative processes about, you know, putting carbon back in the soil. And, you know, when you grow that crop, that does mean you're going to have beneficial insects. You're going to have the bad bugs, too, but your beneficial insects will be there to take care of them and balance that out. There's going to be birds and beetles and lizards and snakes. And, you know, we had a couple of tech students that came out. We're doing some study on invertebrates and cotton fields. And so we volunteered our field and they counted everything and they said, well, why is it that your field has more, you know, invertebrates in it than, you know, the neighbors fill said Because we're organic. <laughs> and so it is about, you know, creating that place and space for life and respecting life. And so all along the way, um, it's been, you know, important. And so, like I said, granddaddy was a farmer. My daddy was. And then lo and behold, I know this is going to be shocking for you, but I ended up marrying a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> so here I thought I was going to escape the farm, move to a big city. Luckily I didn't. But um I actually got my first degree was in fashion design and textiles. I've always loved to create. I love fabrics. Um I had yeah, I just love fabric, the feel of fabrics, the story behind what the fabrics tell. And so I thought, well, this degree'll do me a whole lot of good back out in the cotton field So I actually got my education degree and taught kindergarten and home economics. And on a bad year, the farmer's wives go to town, you know, to uh, get a job and provide family income. And so we started farming in 1979, right at the cusp of um, the farm crisis, where a lot of families, you know, the farm at one point in time did support the farm and the families. But with all the rising cost of input, the continued price pressures on commodities, Farms are no longer supporting the farm and the family. You know, most farms now have had to diversify in a lot of different ways or, you know, one of those family members is working off the farm. So we kind of started that. So at the beginning of the 80s, we were like, hmm, you know, do we go along with this or do we really look at other market opportunities? And that was about the same time. And of course, we were involved in organic agriculture and organic gardening and everything in our community already. And so it just made sense that, you know what, we should we were so close to being organic already that w- we would go that route. So we were a, a part of the enabling legislation in the early 90s in order to get the National Organic Program up to speed. And we involved in that. And we were also very instrumental in getting cotton listed as one of the crops that would be covered in that because – the organic food law is primary I mean the organic law is primarily around food, mm-hmm. as it should be. But really, it's not about food. It is an agricultural production system. So it's about anything that's being grown. And um, and so we got cotton into that system and we're able to start doing market development. And for example, Patagonia's been doing orange cotton for now like 21 years. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so we've got a over I don't know, 460 some odd different brands around the world that have organic cotton programs now, and they're not just doing organic cotton. They're also doing, like I said, the responsible um, man-made cellulosics and mm-hmm. you know silks and you know wool and you know all the fibers that we love to wear. Uh, there's a, there's a choice to have a preferred choice. We don't think anything's truly sustainable, so it is it about having that choice. And so that became our journey along the way. And somewhere in the middle of that, I think it was 1987, Terry's father died of leukemia. Mm. And at that point in time, it was like, uh, there's clear concrete links between leukemia and pesticides. And Terry had grown up on a very chemically intensive farm down around San Antonio. And we're like, whoa, this is just, it, it, it only ignited our passion more for being stronger advocates and probably crossing over into that activist line of it's important for families to be healthy in farming communities. So it took on a different tone for us and certainly a different level of passion of what we're doing is not only about the fiber we're wearing, but it's about people's lives and protecting people's lives. And at that time, you know, we didn't know. I I lost Terry in 2007 to a brain tumor a uh, glioblastoma multiforme stage four. I mean, I didn't even know what one of those was, you know? Man. So, and it's common in men aged 40 to 60 that work in the petrochemical industry or work in the agricultural industry. And, you know, at that point in time, the brain surgeon in Lubbock, Texas, which is a nice sized town, but it's not a huge metropolis, was diagnosing these like 17 <laughs> a month. Or, you know, It was huge, the number of cancer clinics that were in, in Lubbock. It's still shocking to me, the number of cancer clinics. When you overlay cancer clinics to agricultural areas, it's just beyond tragic. It, it, it's the same thing that goes on with what you saw in the true cost, with what's going on with water. Mm-hmm. These uh, unintended consequences are in some cases, in, you know, people know that there's, these chemicals are hormone disruptors. They know that, that they have adverse effects on, on blood cells and and different things. And still we put them out on the marketplace. Um, And so it became, so after Terry was diagnosed and he died at the age of 49, um, organic was no longer important to me. It was imperative Mm-hmm. And so it's taken on a whole nother level of um passion for me and a torch for my parents just celebrated their sixty first anniversary. I won't have the opportunity to do that. And there's a lot of other families that you know are in an agricultural setting that that don't have that hope of a long life together because cancer is hitting especially developed countries incredibly hard. And in part that's because of the choices we have made. We have made the choices to have GMOs. We've made the choices to have chemicals. We've made the choices as a population to put these toxins in our environment. And it's like a tsunami. And it's not gonna be a discriminator. You know, it's 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 gonna it's gonna hit everybody. And so to think that people of faith or that people organic farmers are gonna be exempt from that, you know, just not gonna happen. It's so it is about creating that greater awareness so that we can make different choices for the future.
2: Man, that's a Man, really, that's a really, a really, powerful really powerful and inspirational story. I'm glad that you have um, feel comfortable enough to share that with our listeners and the rest of the world. You know, you have a, a strong motivating factor behind your passion for organic farming. And I think that that's the kind of, motivator that's the kind of change seeker we need in our world to actually get the ball rolling is through that passion. So I commend you for that. Well, thanks. It's one of
1: those deals where those first years I wasn't comfortable talking about it because it was so personal and intimate, but then you get beyond some of that of like, if people don't have a reason to change, if they don't understand the importance to change then they're not going to
2: absolutely
0: exactly, and the other thing too is, is that a lot of people don't understand these negative ramifications that come from using these products until maybe years down the line, so the direct impact that um, some of these things are having may be minimal, it depends on what you 're using, so these it can be quite uh you know a big deal for people when you say, "Oh well, these." these products are doing this, that, and the other thing, but well, it's not affecting my life. So I'm going to continue the way I'm doing things and so on.
1: Or, or, yeah. It's benign or, or whatever. Or it, but you think about the accumulation of like all the different people in Los Angeles that are using Roundup just to, to spray the grass and the weeds coming up in their sidewalks that ultimately, you know, it occasionally rains in Los Angeles that then it, you know, runs into the rivers that runs into the Bay and you look at all the dead zones in our oceans and gulfs and you backtrack that. It's like, come on, people, we're smart. Put two and two together. It is not and it's not just one thing, but it is the the accumulation of everything. And so if we can
2: stop certain parts of that, we should. Sure. And, you know, encouraging consumers to buy organic materials is you know, we vote with our dollar. That's the best way to start. If you want to make a difference, look where your money goes, you know? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You've hit the nail on the head on that one. It's my favorite thing to say to people when they say, well, it's also overwhelming. You know, I feel like I can't make an actual difference. It's just going to happen the way it's happening. I'm like, well, you know what? That money in your pocket is the most powerful tool you have besides your voice. So, use it wisely and we're I'm not going to say that we're perfect by any means we're learning too and mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. we want to create this path where we can all unite and learn together and motivate yeah. each other to grow
1: it is that journey and you have to look at it as a continuum and if and it's about starting that journey somewhere is it you know is it organic fruit or biodynamic fruit, or is it buying from that local farmer that, you know, you know, you know where the eggs are coming from or where whatever the case may be. It's about having that intimacy uh, with everything that your body is interacting with. And, and it's that level, like you say, awareness and knowledge. So to me, it's not, it, if people think they can't make a difference it is the collective action. Individual action leads to collective action.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that story about the little boy, you know, walking along the beach, throwing the starfish in and got washed up on the beach. And some guys, you're wasting your time. You can't save them all. You're right. I saved this one, you know. And if all of us have that awareness to get engaged in creating that change in our lives, then you know, if you think of just all your listeners going out and changing their sheets, for example, or changing their socks, well, that sound that that sends a powerful ripple that ripples, you know, back to the farm gate level and and starts communicating to the brands and retailers of um, your consumers are are, are choosing more responsible products.
0: Definitely. Yeah, and and these steps, they don't have to be drastic. As you mentioned, changing your sheets or changing maybe uh, one of your apparel lines, switching out for something more sustainable, organic. And I mean, that one change can make a large difference. And we have to stop just giving these companies all the power because they're very well aware of what they're doing, and they're not going to stop until we stop spending their dollars with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to send them a clear signal. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So you're currently the Managing Director of the global nonprofit Textile Exchange. What sort of positive impact is this organization having in the textile industry? It's very
1: exciting. I'm one of the co-founders and we're actually celebrating our 15th anniversary this October when we have our annual conference. So we're very excited about that. It's It's been wonderful. Kind of the mantra of what we started is together, we can make a difference. And so it was a combination of farmers, mills, manufacturers, and a few retailers uh, and brands that came together and said, what can we do? And because cotton is grown in like 63 different countries, it it impacts millions and millions of people. And and to that point, it it can be a market-driven solution by changing how we approach cotton and the use of cotton and how it's grown then it can impact so many lives in a positive way. So a lot of these brands and retailers that were at the very beginning, um, like I said, the Patagonias, the you know Gap was engaged, and uh, Williams-Sonoma, and Mountain Equipment Co-op, and uh, REI, and I could go on and on and on. You should go to aboutorganiccotton.org. There's a whole list of brands there because I know I'm going to get in trouble for leaving some people out. <laughs> um, and uh, But anyway... That that is that is where it started of using this as a tool to address, and in part a, a a way to address poverty, a market-driven solution because. Some of the, you know, missionaries and all the, and I say this loosely, the do-gooder organizations and they're doing great things, but they have built schools and they have built clinics and they've drilled water wells and all those are good things to do, but they haven't changed the, eco- the economic dynamics in those communities Mm-hmm. And so it is about paying farmers a fair price for the crops they're growing. It's about moving from a monocrop culture of growing only cotton in order to try to make the most money on the land that you have to going back to a rotation system so that you are addressing biodiversity, you're addressing food security because you're growing cotton and ground nuts and soy and corn and pumpkins and and you know, so that you're, if you get into a, a problem, then you do have those alternate crops that can feed your family, and um, you're building the insectary, you know, that's there. Like I said, the biodiversity, and again, you're you're not um, using the pesticides and things like that because you've got trap crops, you've got other ways to handle the pests. So you're you're not polluting the waters. Um, one of the greatest delights of as we have we kind of the way we go about business with the exchange is we take that same same thing we take individual action of the brands Get them to have a strategy around fiber materials. Get them to um, have a strategy around doing it with integrity. Get it certified. Make you can't tell the truth if you don't know the truth. You know, if you're going to put a recycled polyester label on those pillows, then you it should be you should it should be recycled polyester. Mm-hmm. So um, it is about telling the truth and what you're doing and the accountability. And so. Um, you guys can go online. We've got a great benchmarking report, Textile Exchange, the 2016 benchmarking report that actually reports out on a number of companies that are taking that step to have these strategies and make these public commitments for, you know, moving along to having 100% of their materials be more responsible over over the over a period of time. So, uh, as far as our work with Textile Exchange, I feel like we're having huge impact. At the same time, we're still very much a small percentage of agriculture and vibrant materials to date. And, and so while we're having, like I said, good growth, 15 to 20 percent growth, most of the brands are, are still you know at that 2 percent, 5 percent, 10 percent. We've got a few companies like Patagonia that are 100 percent or Eileen Fisher that's at 60 percent. But for the most part, the, these brands are just doing small incremental increases in part because they need the market momentum to be with them. A lot of times they're doing this because they know it's the right thing to do, but they don't have the urgency of, you know, making those larger incremental changes. So with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, um, we're actually trying to get our brands that are members of the exchange to kind of look at a 5%, that every year we're going to do 5% more in order to really ramp up the adoption. They've got the pipelines open. They know where they can source these responsible materials. It's time to get with the program. And it's very exciting to see a number of companies responding to that, that, yes, it's time to really move um, move the needle on this. And so I think that's where Textile exchange, uh, Exchange's strength comes in, is that we make it a, a safe place for people to start and and then help equip them and inspire them um, to move along that um, continuum of adoption because ultimately um, we're not like many activists, nonprofits, we're not into name and blame and shame. We're into name and thing. We want to highlight the companies that are making positive impacts and encourage, and incur- encourage that change. So it's been very rewarding to um, be a part of the exchange and to see the growing number of people that are joining us on this journey. And um, like I said, we're celebrating 15 years in October. It'll be quite the party.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. This is great. I mean, it's wonderful to see that organizations such as this exist in our world and that companies are wanting to change and that they're making, even if it may be small, some sort of effort each year to hopefully aspire to be 100%. You know, that's that's a good, it's a nice dream to think of.
1: And it, it's and it's beyond, used to it was a dream, now it, it literally is becoming a reality because we're able to sit down with uh, a lot of the brands that you can see on our websites and we'll sit down and have a strategy with them and we know internally, here's their game plan and here's what they're doing and we'll help them make those linkages um, into different communities to ramp up the production or to make sure that they're sending clear market signals. Because ultimately, I have to tell you this story about a trip I made to Tanzania. And it was about seven years after we did some of the first um, organic cotton projects in that region. And so coming back several years after that, it was very strange to be driving along the road and kind of going into another area And there were no children or women walking along the road with water cans and used pesticide containers on their heads. No women and children on the road at all. We got into the village, and the reason they weren't having to do that was because there was a water well in that community. The missionary's wife wasn't coming by once a week to do school for those children. They had built a school. They had built a a teacher's house. The older kids had bicycles because they were riding to the neighboring village for the secondary school. These kids had books. Um, there were screens on the windows to protect against malaria. There was a kind of a community house where there was opportunities for training and education and posters on the wall to um, help do more training and education around best practices of farming. There were goats and there were pigs and there were chickens um, and healthy people with eyes shining and healthy skin and laughter. And it was just such a joy to see that what we're doing holistically is bringing life and resiliency to, to communities that before were experiencing famine, we're experiencing po- more poverty and, you know, just walking miles to carry polluted water in a used pesticide can. It's beyond tragic. And so it's personally and professionally rewarding to know that we t- together, you know, the early mantra together, we can make a difference.
2: Which part of Tanzania were you
1: in? Um, It was the northern part. um, I have to look up the name of the town, but um, it used to be where quite a bit of the conflict used to be. And so a lot of these people came out of the refugee camps and began settling back into their native indigenous uh, lands. And and so we were a part of some of the um, sending in teams to reeducate on here's what a holistic agricultural system looks like.
2: Chris and I actually met in Tanzania while serving with the Peace Corps. Sweet. <laughs> that's why our
0: eyes lit up when you said Tanzania.
2: Yeah, I have to say Tanzania is one of my most favorite places. You could Google
1: BioRay, B-I-O, capital R-E, BioRay. And
0: those are the projects that I was visiting. That's, that's great. Awesome. It sounds like it was up in um, by Lake Victoria because that's where kind of Northwest uh, territory. Yes. Yeah.
1: yes. Yeah. And the headwaters of the Nile and all of that. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you said Tanzania, it was like so good to hear that because anytime we know anybody that's been to Tanzania, obviously we met there. So it has a, it holds a special place in our heart. Special
2: place. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful country that really is, you know, the grassroots efforts are really thriving there. And while some of the change might be slow in comparison to other places, it's, it's they're they're determined and they're passionate people as a culture to learn and grow and um, we were so fortunate to be a part of that you know almost two years and it was just a wonderful mm-hmm. experience. The other thing they have going for them too is that uh the government there
1: is seems to be more open to allowing to some degree, alternative systems to come in and be shared. Mm -hmm. So we we haven't had the same obstacles there, for example, as we've had in Uganda.
2: Right, right, Mm -hmm. definitely. Well, that's awesome. Nice little thing that we share.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if our listeners are interested in becoming a more conscious consumer, what would be your advice? I know that you had mentioned some links that, um, which I would love for you to, mention those again, and so they can check those out. But any other advice you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Well, obviously, it's it's to take that first step um, and to be a conscious consumer and make a decision based upon your morals and values and beliefs. And so I encourage people to change something. And obviously changing our light bulbs does a good job. But when you're coming to textiles, it's like change your socks, change your underwear, change your sheets, you know, and then and then start making your choice around the clothing and the garments that you wear. And um, so it's a beautiful thing to kind of get into those core changes. And then the other thing is to share that with others. There's some great and powerful stories about, you know, companies like Prana and there's so many companies that are offering beautiful choices about what you can wear. So I would encourage you to go to, um, The website is called aboutorganiccotton.org. It talks about the life cycle analysis. It talks about the difference one pair of jeans makes on water. Um, And so there's a lot of really um, good information there that can um, feed and fuel your quest for information. And there's a whole list of brands down at the bottom of that that um, are supporting more responsible stewardship of the land.
2: This is exciting. I think that uh, some of our listeners might be motivated to take a bird's eye view of this, you know, and start investigating in their own lives the decisions that they're making and what, how those decisions may be impacting the world around them. Certainly. Well, great. Do you have anything else you'd like to say before we let you go? Just thank you for the opportunity. It's always good
1: to visit with like-minded and like-spirited people. And again, um, I don't know if I said this online, but it's so cool to, if we don't hold this space and share this space and kind of connect to each other, then this is where the power of change will actually happen is and w- is when we do link up this consciousness and
0: this awareness. So appreciate y'all being a part of that. We thank you so much, Leray, for coming on. It was such a great time and we really appreciate it.
2: You take care.
0: Bye-bye so very informative
2: very informative there's a lot of topics in this discussion that i never thought about prior to our dedication to our spiritual evolution and awakening of consciousness and it's just crazy how blind we consume and that's something that i want to strive to fix every single day even if it's not perfect we need to move forward
0: and for those of you that haven't seen the True Cost documentary, I urge you to watch it. Just open your eyes to the different things that are going on in this world and the people that are being exploited for the clothes on your back. So it's really just a very good eye-opener and something that I urge you to look into.
2: I believe they also have a website, TrueCost.com. They do. It so, might be the TrueCost.com. You'll have to check
0: that out. That's what Google's for.
2: Google, Google, Google. So what's the health tip?
0: So today we're gonna to switch things up a bit. We're gonna talk a little bit about some of the companies that are doing some wonderful things to eliminate fast fashion and to give workers that are making your clothes a fair wage. And they're sustainable. All the clothes, clothing companies that we'll mention, they do use organic cotton and other organic materials to make their clothes. So to start here, everybody knows Patagonia. Patagonia is based in the US. They are fair trade certified. They have organic cotton and environmental sustainability. So, a lot of their stuff is for outdoor apparel, swimwear, activewear. Again, I'm sure you've heard of Patagonia. You can check them out, go on their website, and buy some of their clothes. Other awesome sites that are doing some great things is packed apparel they're also fair trade certified organic cotton and they're a b corp they are also based in the u.s so you can check them out
2: and those are that that site's really good for like um t-shirts socks underwear things of that sort
0: yes so again we're not going to read all of them to you But you can go to thegoodtrade.com. Again, that's thegoodtrade.com. And this is not the only website that's giving you a lot of these options. But they do list 35 fair trade and ethical clothing brands betting against fast fashion. So you can check out the full list there and take a look at things that may suit you. And you can go ahead and buy.
2: Awesome. Thanks for the info.
0: Yes. And we will be back next week with Jessamine Stanley, who is the author of Everybody Yoga.
2: Talk about body positivity, y'all.
0: See you later. one word, brilliant.
2: Absolutely brilliant. And if you read the World Peace Diet or any of his other books, he expresses these messages and topics that he brought to the table just as eloquently through writing as he does through speaking. And you're going to learn so, so, so much information. So please check out those books. You won't regret it.
0: And now the health tip of the episode.
2: Ding, 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 ding. Self-care. I know you're probably wondering, wait a minute, all our health tips are usually herbs, supplements, foods, things of that sort. But we're going to start throwing out to you more life coaching health tips because the mind and the heart and the soul are just as important as the body. So what does it mean, self-care? That's me time. That's you time. And sometimes that's often viewed as self-indulgent. And the correlation between the way we love ourselves and the way our lives pan out is often unnoticed. But self-care is so, so important. This improves our health, this lowers our stress, and it creates a more positive environment for us to live and thrive. So, all of us have different self-care routines, and some of you might have none at all. And you might be saying, oh, I'm too busy for that. But I'm going to be honest with you, when I hear, I'm too busy for that, I hear, I'm not ready to reprioritize my life to create a self-care routine. And this is something that I've had to come to terms with within myself, and I'd be lying if I said I had it perfect because sometimes life gets ahead of us. But when we have a proper self-care routine, we're better able to navigate life's ups and downs. So what we've done for you at Soul & Wonder is if you go to (laughs) www.soulandwonder.com forward slash freebies, you can download a free copy of Four Steps to a Self-Loving You. This is a self-care checklist that we've created ourselves that focus on the body, mind, and soul health. And it allows you to see which areas in your life need improvement for your self-care routine. And then following that checklist, it comes equipped with well, put together questions to help you dig deeper into the confines of your mind, and it also helps you keep track of this self-care routine and gives you tips and tricks on how to maintain it. Um, and, of course, that checklist is something that you can refer back to to continuously improve on. So, once again, www.soulandwonder.com forward slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S, freebies it's nice and short to the point and completely free and of course if you like our self-care checklist and the questions that it provides then we would love to hear your thoughts on our facebook page or instagram or just send us a nice little message
0: and that will be it
2: that's it thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week same time
0: take care folks